Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Genesis 24, 51, the Bible declares, here is Rebecca. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son, and the Lord had, as the Lord has directed when Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. 54 says, then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the young woman remain with us 10 days or so, then you may go. The servant replied, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? Everybody shout, I will go. Rebecca responds, I will go. For the past couple of weeks, we've been dealing with this idea concerning the secret sauce of a successful or a strong marriage. And this is the idea that came to mind. Whenever you look at a particular um, item, um, I was thinking about the, the brothers in the kitchen, the sauces that they have, and, and the, the, the mac sauce that I tasted a few days ago tastes exactly like the mac sauce that I tasted two weeks ago, which tasted exactly like the mac sauce I tasted a couple of months ago. And the reason they all taste the same is because the ingredients are constant and consistent. Now understand, whenever you have a strong or what I would call a successful marriage of any kind, there are certain ingredients that you must have in that marriage if it's going to maintain strength. Can you say amen to that? The first thing that we talked about is being equally yoked. From the beginning, um, that's a believer seeking to only marry somebody that's a believer. Y'all ain't saying that. Come on, somebody. And I know she's fine. Come on, somebody. And I know the Lord going to use you to save him. <laughs> but you set yourself up for a failure. And I promise you, I prophesy to you, if you do it, your life will go down before it goes up again. So being equally yoked, not only from the beginning, but watch this, maintaining growth in your marriage. So it's important for me, not only do I grow spiritually, but my wife as well continues to grow. Then we moved on to talk about selfless service. And this was, this was really, really good because the scripture teaches that as a husband, when I, so, when I serve my wife, I communicate love to her. When she serves me, she communicates honor to me. So if I quit serving, then I'm demonstrating that I don't love, I don't care. When she stops serving, come on, she's demonstrating that there is no honor and there's no respect. So how long can you stay married feeling disrespected, brothers? How long are you going to commit to the relationship, sisters, feeling like he really don't love you? So service is key. Last week, which was my favorite, we talked about marital mentoring. Didn't get a whole lot of amens. In fact, I don't remember one amen. Matter of fact, I'm going to help y'all today. Say amen to me. Say, yeah, y'all going to give me some amens up in here. But this was a game changer. I primarily talked to the singles, but this applies for married individuals as well. I'm not going to re-preach it, not going to reteach it. Uh, today, we're going to talk about leaving and cleaving. <laughs> yeah. Now, if there was a main ingredient in the Mac sauce, 
I would say that this is one of the major ingredients in a marriage, and I'll to tell you why in just a second. Genesis 2.21, the Bible declares, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now, watch this, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man, now this is God commanding this now. The narrator, Adam was speaking in verse number 23. The narrator now is, is writing the words of the Holy Spirit. And he says, therefore shall a man, watch this, leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now, now, come, come on now. I'm, I'm tripping. And mama tripping too. <laughs> because this idea of leaving and cleaving one flesh, um, yes, it hints at sexuality, but it's much, much more than just an intimate act of sex. It's literally talking about reestablishing relational priorities. So when God tells me to leave and cleave, He's saying that there has to be some leaving of mama to cleave to my wife. Now, from a brother who loves his parents, the devil is a lie. You better cleave to us over her. You understand what I'm saying? So, so, so I want to highlight this because the reality is leaving and cleaving, this is really, this is really huge. This is major, and, and in a lot of marriages, it's really, really hard to do, and I've seen it literally rip marriages apart. So I want to kind of define what does it mean to leave and cleave. First of all, cleaving is a choice to walk in marital oneness. Somebody shout, it's a choice. It's, it's a choice that you make to walk in marital oneness. When I speak of oneness, that means defining, defining shared goals and agreeing upon methods of achieving those goals. That, that's oneness. And, and for, in our marriage since the beginning, this is one area for sure we've been on one accord, is financially. From the very beginning, we've always had a financial plan of what we were going to do. And it's interesting, maybe uh, a couple of months after we got married, we, we bought our first home. Uh, two years later, we moved to the coast, rented that one out in Hattiesburg, and we bought another home. And, and I had so many people that was like, man, you're moving too fast, you're moving too fast. No, I'm not, I'm not moving too fast. We got a game plan. And, and we had a, a, some, some mutual friends that came to, set, to sit with us, and they were trying to figure out, you know, how you buy them, you know, get these houses so fast. And, and they were like, we just don't have enough money. So when we actually sat down with them, we found out, watch this, that they made double the money, you remember, that we, that we were making, two times the money. And they couldn't figure out why we were in a position to do, make financial moves like we were. And the problem was he had his money, and he had goals with his money and his own methods of achieving his goals with his money. But she also had her money and she had goals with her money and she had her own methods of achieving what she wanted to do with her money. Are y'all with me? So from the beginning, because we were on one accord financially, it was some major moves we were able to make. Are y'all with me? So, so let, me, let me show you some scriptural backing when it comes to the power of marital oneness or just walking in oneness in general. Acts chapter number two, verses number one, the Bible declares, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now that's powerful because you can't be in one place but not be on one accord. You can be in one house but not be on the same page. Are y'all with me? 
So one accord, defining one accord in Acts chapter number two, they were all there wanting the same thing, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and they all chose the same method, which Jesus told them to stay, tarry, to wait in Jerusalem. So this is what we want, and this is what we're all going to do to achieve it. So verse number two declares, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Why did, why did the manifestation come? Because they were all together on one accord. Can you say amen to that? Now watch Psalms 133 and 1. The Bible declares, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew. This is powerful, man. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings. Understand, this commanded blessings, he's not talking about a mountain, but he's talking about the point of unity. At the place of unity, there's certain things you don't have to ask God for. He just give them to you because he knows that you don't want to accord with it. Because there were certain things that I was praying and I was asking God for when, to 20, 19, 18 years ago. And I'm glad God didn't give it to me because I would have wrecked the ship because we weren't on one accord with certain things. But it's amazing. The moment we, we came on one accord in certain things, I didn't have to ask God for it no more. He just gave it to me because the Bible declares he commands blessings at the point of unity. Can you, can you say amen? amen. So you got to leave and cleave. You got to leave and cleave. It's hard. Got to leave and cleave. Cleaving is this, this choice of Pursuing marital oneness, what makes it hard to cleave is sometimes you don't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, Fawn was one of the ones, she didn't have no problem leaving. She just left. You broke my heart when you left. She like, so? I'm cleaving. <laughs> I think sometimes we have a problem with cleaving because we don't understand what it means to actually leave your parents, leave your father and your mother Genesis 2.24 again says, leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. First of all, cleaving does not mean neglecting your parents. It doesn't mean abandonment. Neither, neither does leaving has to do necessarily with geographical location or distance, not necessarily. Um, wonderful resource that I've been reading, um, Wayne Mack, Strengthening Your Marriage. He has to say this about leaving. He says, living too close to parents at the beginning of a marriage may make it more difficult to leave, but it is possible to leave your father and mother and still live next door. I don't want to live next door to my parents, so I'm just saying. I want to leave. <laughs> Mama be in all my business. <laughs> mm -hmm. Baby, she ain't put no, no cheese in your eggs. Why she ain't put cheese in your eggs? Conversely, it is possible, watch this, to live a thousand miles away from your parents and not leave them. And in fact, this is powerful, you may not have left your parents even though they are dead. I, I want to kind of just highlight or debunk this statement here for a second. Five things, six things actually I want you to write down concerning leaving. Number one, leaving means establishing an adult relationship with your parents. It means you making the transition to actually establish an adult relationship with your parents. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 2 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Watch this. Nathaniel still has to obey me. Five years old. 
I got to deal with him. He came to my wife. My wife told me, of course, you didn't tell me what you said. He came to my wife and said, Mom, I'll pull that wig off your head. <laughs> and she said, how you know it's a wig? And he, started, he said, let me show you. I can't. Y'all pray for my household. <laughs> pray for me, right, right. I need all the prayers I can get. So, so, Nate, he's, he obeys me. That's my five, five-year-old. Aisha is not under the umbrella of obeying, but she's always under the umbrella of honoring. She's made the transition to an adult. Why? She pays her own bills. <laughs> Y'all don't know how to praise her. <laughs> it's been a while since she said, Dad, and I don't want to even remember. D- Dad, can, can you? No, you work, girl. You got a job. Number two, leaving means that you must be more concerned about your spouse's, watch this, ideas, opinions, and practices than those of your parents. Now, I'm going to tell you, this was a tough one for your boy. So this old man right here, that's that's my pop. That's my dad. And that little fella sitting in his lap, acting just like him. I was cute, y'all. What would you say? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> All of my life, I've been trying to be like this dude right here. Literally. All of my life. No matter where I went, my dad was always honored, always respected. And when I go in certain places, they be like, you, you went, son? Yeah. And I'd always get special treatment because of the, the old man. So I want to be just like him. So when I first got married, you know, I, I always ran things by my dad before I did them, always. So when I got married, I was still running them by my dad first. Now, I tell her what we discussed and what we chose to do about our house, you understand? <laughs> but that caused some major conflicts in my house because, watch this, I'm trying to cleave, but I ain't really left. Because the priority that my dad maintained, and I tried to just add my wife somewhere up, up there. It's all the sisters saying amen. <laughs> Get on y'all just a second. Number three, praise the Lord. Leaving means that you must not be slavishly dependent on your parents' affection, approval, and assistance. Now, two was my problem. Three was my wife's problem. Because she needed the approval of her father. Absolutely. I never forget the old man. I want to push him down the stairs. <laughs> old man came to my house. Treat him like a king, because I'm a good son-in-law. Showing out in front of my wife. So it's about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Everybody going to bed. I reach over and kiss my wife. She said, we can't do that. My daddy in the house. What? I said, he not going to like come in the room or nothing like that, is he? But he in the house, though. The devil is a lie. (laughs) 
And she's had this thing. I'm talking about y'all, for, for those who know me, y'all, we got a lot of kids. We got a whole bunch of kids. And every time she get pregnant, you know, I mean, we, we, well, I was excited for the first two or three. <laughs> when Nate came, I was like, man, why have thou forsaken me? <laughs> and we're excited that she's pregnant. But every single time, every single time she'd pause and she'd say, what am I going to tell my daddy? You're going to tell him he's going to have another grandchild. That's what you're going to tell him. This, this, this approval thing, leaving means that you must not be slavishly dependent upon your parents' affection, approval, assistance. Number four, leaving means that you must eliminate any bad attitude toward your parents or you will, will be tied emotionally to them regardless of how far you move from them. Now, this speaks to inner healing because what you don't understand is the parent is a primary relationship. It's a primary relationship and you are shifting your priorities from your parents to your spouse. And whenever you have unresolved issues here, you always project that onto the person that you love now. So your husband could be paying for what your, she said crazy daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving means, anybody getting anything out of this? I'm enjoying this myself. Hey y'all, we got the Shelby family here. Thank y'all for being here. I told you I was going to study. <laughs> Don't be embarrassing me. Number five, leaving means that you must not, you must stop trying to change your spouse just to meet your parents' expectations. Now, now watch this. Now watch this. This doesn't contradict last week's message when I talked about Deacons, I just need a bottle of oil, right? Just close to me, just, just close to me. <laughs> Lost my thought. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Leaving means that you must... <laughs> so this doesn't contradict last week's message where I was saying, especially to the singles, the importance of having marital mentors to kind of help you to navigate through that, that courting, that dating process, because when you're dating, sometimes your love clouds good judgment. I'm not negating that, but watch this. One thing I noticed, all of my marital mentors, the moment I got married, they backed up. I didn't want them to back up, but they, they backed up because they gave room for me and my wife to actually to grow and to, to develop together. Now, number five, there are times when your spouse, your husband or your wife, still have things that need to be changed or you need to challenge them. But watch this. It's the difference between challenging them on something that needs to be changed versus you doing it just because your mama don't like it. And sometimes we get in trouble because we're trying to, and, and bro, man, don't even know why you're asking him to do that. Why, why, I've been doing it. What's wrong with it? My mama coming over. Well, the house been dirty. <laughs> Her house dirty. <laughs> Number six, leaving means that you make the husband and wife relationship your priority human relationship. Somebody shout top priority. Now, I want to deal with a couple of things here, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep you very long. Um, but, but I want to show you in the text because for those for those who've been following, you guys know. For the past four weeks, all I've been doing is going down Genesis chapter number 24, just a section at a time. Um, I think Genesis is a foundational book. Most, most all the major 
um, uh, I would say revelation and doctrinal themes that we see from Exodus to Revelation has their roots in the book of Genesis from salvation, propitiation, um, atonement, justification. All of those themes have their roots in the book of Genesis. What's interesting is that the longest chapter in Genesis has nothing to do with salvation, has nothing to do with creation. The longest book, the longest chapter, excuse me, in the book of Genesis is about marriage. So I believe that God is trying to communicate something to us through this book. So, so one of the things that we read a couple of weeks ago, I want to highlight it again in Genesis chapter number 24, verses 3. Abraham is talking to his servant, and he's sending him to find Isaac a wife. And he says, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanite among whom I am living. Four says, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Look at, look at the servant. The servant asks, what if the woman, woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? He's going to say no. Verse number seven, he's going to give him instruction. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household, look what he's going to say. He will send this angel before you so that you will get, can get a wife for my son from there. Look at verse number eight. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Now, now understand, look how verse 7 and verse 8 comes together. Servant wants to know, what if this woman won't come back? He says, the spirit, the angel of God, watch this, is going to navigate you to the woman that will be right for my son. But Abraham says, when God shows you the woman, if she don't want to go, then let her go. Because watch this, although it's God's, oh, Jesus. I ask the question all the time, is the will of God automatic? Is the will of God automatic? Because I grew up and people used to say all the time, whatever, whatever the law want to do, he going to do it. That's not true. Because watch this, it's God's will that all people be saved. That's scripture. It's his will that everybody be saved. But when we get to the book of Revelation, we realize everybody ain't going to be saved. You know why? Because the will of God requires your participation for manifestation in your life. If you want the promise of God to come to pass in your life, you yourself have to participate with his will. So this is God's will for him, for Isaac to, to marry Rebecca. But if Rebecca violates, watch this, not violate, but if she kicks against his will, then let her go. Abraham understands the importance of leaving and cleaving. If she don't want to leave, she won't be able to cleave. So if the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of, of mine. I'm almost done. So watch this. This is me and my beautiful bride. Yeah, that's when I had braces and hair. <laughs> God is good. You look fine too, girl. I want you to know you look fine. You're still looking fine. Your hair just grew. Um, this was the day that we got married. And this was the day we were supposed to leave and cleave. But we just got married. I can't get a witness up in here. Mike, this was the day, January 15th, 2000. 
3 o'clock p.m. Right? I know. I'm just making sure you remember. <laughs> 3 o'clock p.m., we, was, we got married, but we were supposed to, at this moment, leave and cleave to one another. We didn't, and this is the reason why. Because all these people. She had, what's those people you, what's they called? Them people. She had 12 of them. I had 12 them people. And a church full of people. This, this is just two rows. It's two more rows, another row on this side, another row on that side, full of people. What I didn't know was, in order for us to cleave, there were some attachments that we had to break off. And there were attachments there that I didn't even know on my family. Because understand, understand, I, I need y'all to, to hear this. There are people in your life that are happy about you getting married. They're just not happy about you forming a closer relationship with your spouse than with y'all. So there are some people on purpose that will not allow you to cleave, and I call it relational manipulation. When friends or family members use past ties to control future closeness with your spouse, they want to so remind you about what we had that they never give you breathing room to establish what you could have with your spouse. Let, let, me, let me show you in the text. We just read it, Genesis 20, 24, 54. The Bible declares, then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother, watch this, her brother, her brother Laban and her mother replied, let the young woman remain with us 10 days or so. Then you may go. It's interesting. It's interesting. And I believe the connection is there. He says 10 days or so. Now, anybody that know anything about Laban from the rest of the book? Laban, out the, um, he crazy. Laban was the dude that made <laughs> his nephew, was it nephew? His nephew work seven years? Seven years for Rachel only to find out he was Leah. The one, <laughs> when you say, look at me, she looks that way, you understand? KJV says the tender-eyed one. <laughs> Laban is a trip. So he, he, just, he said, watch this, let, her, let the young woman remain 10 days or so. Now, it's interesting, verse number, I didn't read it, verse number 53, the servant had already given him loads of treasure, plenty of money. Just let her remain. 56 says, but, but he said to them, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they, now this, this, is, this is key right here. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to choose this. You got to choose this. And, and I, I don't have long, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to deal with a couple of more things and then I'm out of here. I, I made a choice to marry her. And then I, I, I realized that I had to make a choice to cleave to her and, and to leave, to reprioritize relationships. I, I made that. But it's not just a one-time deal. This is something you have to continue to, to choose. Rachel, he asked the question. So they call Rebecca, 
and ask her, will you go with this man? She responds, I will go. You need to have that attitude towards your husband or your wife. Understand, I know you're probably looking at cra crazy at your husband because he's not being honorable, he's not acting respectful, and you're looking crazy at your wife because she's not acting loyal. Watch this. The Bible teaches that we should honor our wives as husbands. We, sh we should, we should, what's the scripture in 1 Peter? Uh, show, demonstrate honor and love towards our wives. What it doesn't say is to love your good wife. It just say love your wife. Ephesians says honor wives, honor your husband. It don't say honor your perfect husband or your good husband. And, and we have this deal where we give honor and we give respect because y'all know the saying, well, to get respect, you need to, huh? But actually, that's the right saying, but it's the reverse order. You wait to give love to get it. But according to the Bible, if you give, y'all listen. So, so, so when you give love to your wife, you get a loving wife. When you give honor to your husband, he started acting like the way you treating him. Y'all, y'all. One, one of my mentors, one of my mentors years ago told me this little country story. I thought it was funny. Um, he, he said, he said it was this guy. He was an investor and he went to this foreign country. And um, um, in that particular era, that particular region, when you wanted to marry somebody's wife, you would trade them cows daughter thank you you would trade them cows for their daughter and depending upon the worth of the wife the, the daughter determine how many cows you traded so if 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 the you know the woman maybe she couldn't cook maybe she wasn't that beautiful she was only you know a two or three cow wife What's so funny? <laughs> oh, watch it now. <laughs> Jim, what you standing over there for, man? I'm all right. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling the story how it was told to me. Hey, don't, don't hold me, you know. <laughs> but if she was like, you know, very beautiful, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, <laughs> I am getting in trouble. <laughs> she, she had a lot to offer. She was a 10-cow wife. So this guy, he had two daughters. And one, very beautiful, a guy came and offered him 10 cows. And the, the other girl, she, he's, you know, the investor came and he says, I'm looking for a wife. And he says, yeah, I got a wife, but she's only a three-cow wife. <laughs> and so the investor thought about it. And he gave the man 10 cows for her. So they leave, and they get sisters like, mm -hmm, nah. So, so, so the guy, they go back home, and one day the girl's father winds up sick. And so she comes home to check on him. And when she gets into the room with her father, the father don't recognize her. I guess y'all going to tell my story. He, he don't, 
he, he, can't, he can't recognize her. He's like, who, who are you? And she says, Dad, it's me. And so he looked at the investor and he said, what did you do? What, what happened? He said, I've always treated her like a 10-cow woman. <laughs> How you doing, Shana? <laughs> because he treated her like that, that's the way she acted. And sometimes you treat your spouse not the way you want them to be. You treat them how they currently are. And watch this. You are currently reaping the harvest of seeds that you are now sowing. If you sow different seeds, I mean, I mean, we're going to follow the book. Let's follow the book. It's not just about finances. Give and it shall be given unto you. Be not deceitful. Whatsoever, be not deceitful. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man, that shall he also reap. If you want a different husband, come on, somebody, you might need to sow some different seeds up in here. Can I get a witness? So, so, so this, this is what I'm, this is what I want to talk about. Stand up, my sweetie. Stand up. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she? You look beautiful today. Look, y'all, we look like the Fourth of July, don't we? <laughs> Watch this. That's why. <laughs> so, so. I, this is these last three points. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I just want to highlight, and I'm out of your way. I just want to highlight the idea of guarding the marital oneness. You have, you have to, you have to guard it. Okay. So some of us like, well, it's just, well, I, I left and I cleave, I left and I cleave, cleave. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got married. We together. But the enemy is always trying to bring about division where you deprioritize her and you give priority or him, them, your spouse, and you give priority somewhere else. Okay? So, so the first thing you have to be careful of is marital manipulation. And it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be, a, it could be anybody who you have a great relationship with and sometimes out of fear, sometimes out of fear of us losing what we have, I don't want you to get anything stronger with them. Sometimes it ain't out of fear. Sometimes it's just out of convenience. You were blessed in my life, and I don't want to lose my blessing now. You've been paying my bills for how long? And now you got to ask y'all. Oh, so now y'all got to counsel about helping. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Okay. That's number one, marital manipulation. Number two, I want to talk about innocent attractions. I'm defining innocent attractions as a simple affinity that develops for another often because of shared interests or constantly working in close proximity. There's some right there. Keep praying for me. Thank you, ma'am. Might need some prayers. Innocent attraction. The reality is, they happen. It ain't sexual. It ain't necessarily bad. It, it, there, there's something that you just like about somebody else. And an attraction forms. Here is the wisdom, though. If it ever forms on your part, or, watch this, you feel you just been talking with this guy, or you've been talking with this lady for a long time, and just having a great relationship, but you, you feel something on their part, they acting just a little bit friendlier than they've acted. Something's developing there. Here it is. You got to starve it. You got to starve it. How do you starve it? 
by never feeding it. Yeah, y'all, come on, man, come on, come on. So, 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 you know, you know, he kind of getting sweet on you, and so he's starting to compliment you about stuff that he hadn't complimented you about in the past. Like them shoes, girl. <laughs> you can't be he he heing because now you feeding it to is a. If something is forming on your part, because it can't happen within close proximity, working with somebody, watch this. You know you feeding into it when you spend a time that you don't necessarily have to spend with them. Touch somebody, shout, starve it. Starve it. And watch this. This doesn't, ma- this doesn't matter if you if you single or married. If there's something going on, because the reality is, watch this, watch this. I'll never forget um, a good friend of mine, a great, great friend of mine, and I didn't realize it at the time, but she was developing an attraction for me because we spent time hanging out with the ball games all the time. And, and her mother, her mother, save woman, called her and told her, don't get in the way of Pastor McGee's wife. Now, watch this. I wasn't even married at the time. Not, hadn't met Lady McGee, wasn't dating anybody. She says, don't get in the way. Mother was very wise because she knew if my affection was moved towards her, I was robbing my future wife of giving her 100. Which leads, leads me to, to my final thought. You got to guard, guard marital oneness. What's the third hindrance? Undissolved, undissolved soul ties. Undissolved soul ties or emotional attachments created through, should be past, past intimate interactions. Undissolved soul ties. Emotional attachments created through past intimate interactions can be sex, but doesn't always have to be sex. Um, sometimes they can be created just through conversation because the way you, we talked about this last week, the way you give your heart away is you give your secrets away. The more you reveal your, your secrets, some of your shame, some of your thing, things in your past, you're, you're actually connecting. So, so watch this. Um, I didn't even realize this. We were married in uh, 2000, 2000 of January 15, 2000, living in Hattiesburg. Old girlfriend of mine, I hadn't seen her since 96. 96. What you laughing for? Hush. <laughs> I hadn't seen her since 96. I'm married and hadn't talked to her, hadn't seen her. And I'm, I'm, I'm the dude. So I, I didn't have like, you know, like some guys got, you know, I had trophies, but that, that just wasn't me. I was always serious about relationships. So whenever I got in a relationship, I gave 100. And that's the, you my girl, you, you just my girl. And so... Hadn't seen her since 96. We actually broke up. We broke up in 96. I'm married in two. Why are you laughing? What's going on here? I'm married in 2000, living in Hattiesburg. 2002, we come back to the coast. So it's been six years since I've seen this girl. Had any interactions, anything. A buddy of mine tells me, hey, man, such and such, um, they in town. They supposed to be coming to the church. I said, what? So all of a sudden, I'm concerned about what my wife going to be wearing, what my kids wearing, how they acting. Y'all better act right in church today. Don't be doing that. Just act right. 
I didn't realize that this old flame from six years ago still had a portion of relational priority. Why, 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 why you say that? Why you say that? Because although I'm married to her, I'm still thinking about what she going to think about me when she see me. I'm, I'm glad the Shelby family is here because the rest of y'all like, <laughs> if y'all weren't here, it'd be so quiet. It'd be like, where he going with this? And I'm telling you that soul ties are real. So do you actually think you can spend five years, ten years, seven years with somebody, break up with them, and your heart is just free to love whoever's next? No. You didn't break it off. It was fractures. And fibers of you still in them, fibers of them still in you, and you take it into your next relationship. And like me, sometimes you never consider the fractures until the name is mentioned or you see the face. Now, did I want her? No. Was I trying to reestablish something with her? No. But it was interesting. I'm trying to go to church, but I'm thinking about what she going to say when she see me. That lets me know that it was still some priorities there that hadn't been shifted. Now, I'm being real and transparent because some of y'all can't. You got to look straight ahead. Oh, that's why it's so quiet. Oh, 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 oh that's why it's so quiet. <laughs> Babe, I don't know what he talking about. He need to be delivered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just touch your neighbor and say, you too, you too. Don't play, don't play, don't play. Y'all going to do you boy like that. That's so messed up. So... I'm done. Hmm. I had to take that thing to God because I didn't like it. I didn't like it. First of all, I, 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 I was trained, I was trained as a preacher to never let the influence of people to determine your flow of your message. So, I'm not dependent upon amens based on how long I preach, how effective, how, how much passion I put into it. So I, I was trained. So now I'm transferring that to relationships. Why am I interacting with my wife and children based off what I think somebody might think about what I'm doing? I say, God, you got to help me with this because I don't like this. Like this. I finally broke it from my dad, and that was hard to do. And my dad, he, he's not necessarily a hard man. I just sought to please him all of my life. So when it came to my marriage, there's certain things that I just didn't do. And I, I, we, we're not doing that. Well, why not? We're we just not doing it. I have, no, I have no rationale as to why other than because my dad probably wouldn't like it, but I didn't tell her that. But it took a while to break that. But So here's, here's another one. Are you serious? So I took that thing to God. I, I, need, I need to be free from all past soulish interactions. Because to the, to the degree you tie to your past, to the same degree you can't cleave to your present. So how you do it? This tie is not of God.
Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.